Napa know-how. Right now, you can get a $20 prepaid Visa gift card by mail with the purchase of a Napa Legend Premium Battery. Its durability and power make it the obvious choice for people who hate getting stranded by a dead car battery. So pretty much everyone. The Napa Legend Premium Battery and $20 back. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Limit two per household while supplies last. Offer ends 228.19. Welcome to another edition of To Homer and Back, the official podcast of Streaking the Lawn. My name is Pierce. I've got two of my fellow Streaking the Lawn buddies here with me this evening. First off, I've got Eric. Say hello, Eric. Hello. How's everyone doing tonight? I'm doing great. And I've also got with us Caroline this evening. Say hello, Caroline. Hey. Hey, <laughs> I'm glad you guys could join me this evening to talk about uh, the opening of football season, which seems to me to have come out of nowhere. I cannot believe it's September. I'm a little upset about it uh, because I love summer, but I'm happy about it because it's football season. And even though that's maybe not our um, most energizing sport <laughs> in the world <laughs> to follow, I'm still excited for it. I'm always amped. I'm always the optimistic uh, off-season fan that most of us are. So I'm excited for, to see those uh, take on the UCLA Bruins this weekend they're playing out in la hopefully uh you know the last time the team went out to la and played usc we showed up on national television we we played well we didn't come away with the w but i I know we outperformed the expectations so at the very least let's hope for that this week we'll get to predictions later on but certainly ucla is a fantastic team um, that's going to return a lot of talent this year i'd say the biggest storylines for them are going to be the fact that they've got um a, a suspended star player their cornerback uh let's see ishmael adams uh who was their starting corner who returned a touchdown uh, against us last year <laughs> off an interception who didn't um, yeah well true <laughs> sorry. also sorry sorry they've got a uh, uber recruit josh rosen uh who's going to be starting the game at quarterback for them a true freshman so that's some interesting storylines for them but i'd like to hear uh the thoughts you guys might have about ucla as uh as an opponent caroline if you want to go ahead and start us off what do you see when you look at the bruins starting the schedule for the who's this year well, it's it's interesting for sure because, like we said, it's a big road trip. You know, top you know fifteen ranked team. Correct me if I'm wrong, but preseason I think the top fifteen. Um, just to go out there, huge road trip to open the season. A team that we, for a lot of the game, outplayed uh, in Charlottesville mm-hmm. last year, minus a few bad plays on those defensive turnovers in the second quarter. Um, mm-hmm. Yet we're still in it, lost twenty eight twenty. Um, which I'm sure, I mean, it's a heartbreaker. Like that was a crazy game. And the fact that UVA was even able to come in it behind a, a little Maddie Johns football there. Maddie um, Ice, Maddie Fresh. <laughs> Maddie, Maddie Fresh. so many nicknames. Papa Johns, um, you yeah, know, the whole thing. But, uh, and having him start now, um, I'm interested to see what that's going to look like. They've got a great defense. Obviously, Ishmael Adams is out. So that changes things a little bit. But one of the big things that UCLA has going for them this year is depth. So mm-hmm. will not having him starting at cornerback really affect that much? Probably not. But it is kind of nice to see what uh, Matt Johns and 
his go-to trusty guy, Kane Severin, can come up with. Then the flip side of the ball, uh, starting a freshman quarterback, um, someone telling whatever side Quinn Blanding is on is the weak side. Sounds good to me. Um, but it could be interesting to see some of our um, senior uh, backfield guy, you know, guys out there, Quinn Blanding and Nicholson, mm-hmm. um, have a little time to maybe he'll float a couple up there and we can return the favor that they did to us with some of the uh, <laughs> defensive touchdowns last year. That would be nice. What do you guys think um, of the idea that the Pac-12 is the best conference in football this year? Can you get behind that? Uh, are you still sick with the SEC or, or some lesser conference? <laughs> I'll probably go with the SEC. I don't know, yeah. Eric. What about you? I mean, it's, yeah, I, I've got to agree with that. It's hard for me to see any team being better than the SEC, but the Pac-12 has got good teams, UCLA, Southern Cal, or again, there's probably a, a couple others that I'm forgetting. So, I mean, the Pac-12 is, is going to give the SEC run for its money, but I mean, I do think whoever comes out of the again, the SEC is probably going to win the national championship. Yeah, one of the guys we haven't talked about for them is their uh, their two way player, Miles Jack. I know he's moved to uh, in, inside linebacker this year. I don't know uh, if we're going to expect to see a lot of him on offense. Um, I know they've got a, a big time rusher in Paul Perkins. Uh, who I think he led, yeah, he led the conference uh, for them uh, last year with over 1,500 yards rushing. So certainly the the Who's have their uh, work cut out for them, even with a, a quarterback starting for the for the Bruins. But uh, you know, starting that or, or stopping that rushing game, you're looking at replacing a lot of talent on the D line for Virginia. Uh, you know, Eli Harold's gone. Uh, you know, we've got uh, the defensive tackles there. I'm actually, you know, pretty confident in with Wilkins and and hopefully Andrew Brown comes along and obviously David Dean. Um, do you guys see that as being, you know, one of the bigger keys to the game, the the D line? And and I know it's it's probably one of the biggest question marks for for the Wahoos in general starting this season. About the defensive line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean um, the 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 front seven or the pieces from the from UVA front UVA's front seven last year, you know their big pieces went to the NFL. So you hope that 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 coach uh, Tenuta and and just the rest rest of the defensive um, co- coaches could have gotten could have you know re- had a really productive spring and summer. But you know it's it's it, they they have some really really big shoes to fill. Yeah, absolutely. And it was funny. I, I know Mike Mora, uh, coach for UCLA, said something today. I saw on Twitter that he was saying, like, well, I know whatever. Uh, Jim or Jim Moore, sorry. Mm-hmm. All the Moras. They get confusing <laughs> when they're all coaching like that. Um, Mike Moore is on our team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he comes out and says, like, yeah, whatever happens, I know Tanuda's going to come up with something that I'm going to have to, you know, balance out and counteract, mm-hmm. which is true. I mean, I think we could all agree that um, defensively, I think. Coach Tanuda has done a pretty fantastic job the last couple of seasons. I, I know last year that defense was – I enjoyed the team when the defense was on the field more sometimes. Um, but <laughs> and they were fun to watch. They, they, play, they play well and they play smart. But um, definitely what Eric said, it's going to be tough to see. Um, it would be interesting to see like what they come up with to combat losing those some of those front seven guys. But I think, as you mentioned, uh, all the stuff I've heard about Andrew Brown at this point uh, has been that he's he's ready to step up to that five-star uh, billing mm-hmm. he got out of high school. And unfortunately, with that injury last season, uh, we didn't get to see a lot of that. Um, so I, I, I'm interested to see how he does up there. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think people want to see him match, you know, maybe not match Quinn Blanding in terms of, in terms of star power, but at least, you know, live up to the hype in, in some sort of sense. Um, not that I'm disappointed in him. I think it's, you know, you don't get freshmen like Quinn Blanding that come in and immediately take ownership over a team very often. So I don't think it's fair to say Andrew Brown had to come in and do the same. Right. But certainly there's got to be a step up, a big step up for the mm-hmm. talent that he possesses. And I think it's nothing but good news we're hearing out of camp from from the media reports and such. But, you know, it's still a bit of a I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. So it's definitely that's a a tough task. Yeah. Every time I'm with you when you said in the intro about like, you know, oh, my God, how is football season already here? I was joking, you know, months ago when they start sending out those only this many Sundays till football. It sounded like a threat at first. But um, now I'm in super. Uh, excited fan mode where it gets to where you every video you see coming out of camp is some ridiculous play that's amazing and you're like we're gonna win the whole thing we're going undefeated um so i'm in that pre first game lull happiness um Mm -hmm. section there where i'm like this is it we're gonna do it we're gonna take everybody down (laughs) our dreams haven't been crushed yet we're optimistic i like it it's funny after last year's game you know, I, I I certainly had that mix of fandom that was optimistic, but some rational pessimism going in, knowing that UCLA was such a good team, and then to immediately have it go so wrong, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with those interceptions, and go, okay, well, well, we're gonna lose. I guess I'll go out and enjoy my Labor Day weekend. And of course, I did it. I, you know, I like went and <laughs> grabbed a beverage and sat back down and watched more. And then we came back, and I'm like, look, hey, we're actually pretty good. Uh, you know, I think we're uh, we're gonna come back when Matt Johns comes in and and really, really, you know, start. He, he threw a couple touchdowns, especially one really nice one. I, I believe it was to Kanan. Yeah. And then they lose, and you're just like, okay, I'm just right back where I started. <laughs> I don't know how to feel with the rest of the season uh, in front of me, and. And certainly that's not an uncommon uh, thing for us to, to think. Um, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to think about Matt Johns, you know, coming in as a starter, the, the unquestioned starter, something that we really haven't had um, potentially since maybe a little, you could argue Mike Rocco, but then Phil Sims comes in and transfers and that's sort of threw the, the question up in the air. So even before then, uh, Eric, what do, what are you looking to see from Matt Johns as in terms of growth or as in terms of uh, any increased play or really just in, in leadership of the team? I mean, honestly, I'm looking for all three of those because if you think about it, in, in, uh, that long touchdown he had against UCLA, UCLA last year had some people thinking that, you know, he might he might have ended up winning the starting job from Grayson Lambert, and as you know, as it would turn out, he wasn't able to. And he did look confident against Virginia Tech, so I was very happy to hear that he did end up as QB one coming out of spring camp. And 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 uh, one of the other storylines I'm looking for, and this might not be much of one because he is the entrenched starter, but I'm I'm wondering how long of a leash is is Mike London and Steve Fairchild going to give him? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I, you got to think it's longer than, than we've seen recently. <laughs> you would but hope, no guarantee. Right? <laughs> yeah, you would hope. <laughs> that that would be my optimal sense of it. But uh, that's that's a great question. Honestly, uh, I can't begin to think I know what they're going to think or do uh, in terms of their decisions with the quarterback carousel. But hopefully it's a longer one because uh, I think Matt's got a little bit of that gunslinger vibe to him where he might make a few decisions that yeah, are definitely. questionable. 
hopefully we don't see the Kevin McCabe. Uh, <laughs> you made two, you two poor decisions. You're done. Uh, we're going to the freshman now or something like that. Um, do you, do you have any thoughts on Matt Johns, Caroline? Yeah. Um, I, I really like watching this kid play. I think one of the things that stood out to me last year, I know people say, you know, Grace Lambert has a, had a great arm, um, probably a little bit better arm than Johns. Um, and, but I really liked his connections with the receivers. Mm-hmm. All of the routes just seemed crisper. And you have the actual option with Johns of if the play falls apart, he could get some yards after that, whether sure. it's just, you know, finding somebody on a short pass or taking himself and getting, you know, he also had, a, I think, over 100 rushing yards last year. And considering the small amount of time that he played, that's not mm-hmm. bad. I'll take that any day of the week. So <laughs> I, I like that aspect of his play he kind of everyone looked more comfortable with him on the field and that's not at all meant to be a knock on Lambert I wish him the best of luck I think he's a great kid I think we would have you know I I like him that's not you know but I just liked (laughs) the way that they ran the routes kind of speaks to what Kanan Severin has been saying in the offseason and in the preseason about that kind of connection that he has specifically with Johns and how those guys kind of yeah, it just looks like he is in more in tune with his receivers and more. He didn't get too flustered, and yeah, he's made mistakes. Like I'm talking about it, like he's about to win the Heisman, but like I just <laughs> hey, you liked, never know. You never know. Think, crazier things it's have still happened. Still the preseason. Yeah, but I, I just think it'll be interesting to see because we do have so many options now, which is so weird to say. But at wide receiver <laughs> and at receivers, um, mm-hmm. even with T.J. Thorpe going out to that uh, unfortunate clavicle injury um mm-hmm. but we do have some options out there with Lavroni, who made that ridiculous touchdown grab in the ucla game last year mm-hmm. um and though not as nice as his miami touchdown grab but both were good <laughs> yeah, yeah well Severin, <laughs> he has yeah, a whole Severin. highlight reel yeah it, oh, that it, was Severin. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've, i mean we do but that's the thing is you we can now confuse some good highlight grabs like so yeah. <laughs> you know there we go uh, if there are highlights to confuse, I'll definitely do it. But you do, you do mention Thorpe, who, as, you know, as we've um, seen this summer, is unfortunately out with injury for at least the first half of this season. But it brings up, uh, I think, another talking point. Uh, this being our first podcast really uh, dedicated to the football team, let's talk a little bit about one of the bigger storylines from the summer, which is bringing in these graduate transfers. Uh, I know that's happened every once in a while uh, with our football team on, on either side leaving or, or coming in. But we've got three pretty solid big name transfers coming in uh, at important positions on the offense uh, with Reed Hopkins and Thorpe Caroline what what do you what does this say to you in terms of is this filling needs uh, you know and looking elsewhere for them does that does that affect uh, what we think of how we've recruited or how there's been roster mismanagement or anything like that or is it just the fact of that some guys want to go somewhere else and, and we had the open door for them I would say the latter. I think of it as a positive thing. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you got two guys in TJ Thorpe and Albert Reed who are from within the ACC footprint. I'll say I won't say mm-hmm. ACC anymore. Uh, with Thorpe <laughs> coming from UNC and Reed com- you know, coming to his senses and coming down from College Park at Maryland. Um, but <laughs> it, it's something that, you know, like y- you can't deny the fact that UVA offers a great opportunity for grad school. And as much (laughs) as people have said stuff about um, London and his coaching on the, on the field, I think all the information is there to show that he, he works well with these kids off the field and that he brings in these good, I mean, Charlie Hopkins has come in from Stanford. So, you know, no slouch to academics there. 
Um, mm-hmm. And we do have the need. And uh, I think it's just kind of a the match worked, you know, like it just mm-hmm. kind of something came together. And in all of those guys that we've talked about, when Thorpe gets better, it actually could make for a really nice homecoming, not homecoming, like homecomings. But but for him to go back down to Chapel Hill to play his former team could be a nice little reunion show. Um, but then also, like I mentioned, Charlie Hopkins bringing him in as a big, big tight end target is great. Um, that's going to be huge for someone, you know, for Johns to have that kind of target across the middle. I think, you know, everyone likes to think back to the Heath Miller days. And then, um, you know, we've heard great things about smoke, uh, running back, um, mm-hmm. and having Albert Reed, there's a big power runner, uh, I think is really great. So I, I I'm all for it. Um, yeah. and obviously we've lost Grayson Lambert to Georgia, but he's just been named their starter as a graduate transfer. So that's great for him. You know, like, I mean, he got his degree from UVA. Like it, it's awesome. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I, like I said before, I wish the kid the best. So I think it's a pretty good system um, that you know coaches can take advantage of in case of transfers or injury or someone doesn't mm-hmm. pan out like they thought they would over their you know time at school. So I, I think it's great. I think both, all three of those guys will be uh, will be helpful at some point this season. It is pretty interesting to see Grayson uh, decide to transfer and go to Georgia, which was a you know, normal choice for him. I mean, homeschool. I mean, a top top tier program. Um, to take him in, and now all of a sudden he's been named the starter <laughs> this spring. He was yeah. named today. Uh, so yeah. for a top ten program, which is uh, you know I don't know really what I, I think you, you can obviously be cynical about that, um, whether it be our coaches reading it, but I, I don't see anything in his performance that separates him last year from Matt Johns. I was certainly torn between the two, and it's not, I'm not trying to ha- knock on Grayson, but I'm saying it, he didn't look like someone who could immediately jump in and win the starting job at a top 10 team. So I, I'm not ready to be like, well, it wasn't Fairchild using them correctly or, or, you know, some things that I've uh, seen on message boards or Twitter about that. But it, it's certainly interesting. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that, uh, Caroline? Yeah. Well, I mean, to, the biggest thing to me is that when it came out of the spring game last year, London said, Coach London was like, oh, it's not even close. It's Matt Johns. Like, I, uh-huh. I think that was the biggest surprise to people were like, oh, oh, so mm-hmm. either – either Matt Johns is about to like go off on people like, mm-hmm. and he's this force <laughs> to be reckoned with that we never saw coming or, you know, it, it, it's interesting to I me. Mean, I just don't know how to read that whole situation. Um, but, you know, for UVA to finally have, like you said, the one guy, I hope they do give him a long leash um, because I think no one, you know, when you look back at the last time we beat tech and we won't say what year that was, that game was ridiculous. <laughs> like, fake field goals and right. you know airing out passes and it was great and that's the kind of football where i think coach london might be ready to play this year because it's kind of forever like mm-hmm. people have talked about the hot seat people have all that stuff so there's really time to best and play conservative because you're going against a ridiculous schedule like obviously don't go crazy and like never punt it and only go for mm-hmm. it on fourth down but it, i think it gives them a little bit of leeway to kind of pull some of the trickeration in you know and do something do something exciting. Keep hands on their toes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you bring up at, at one point that maybe we don't need to go into uh, for uh, hours and hours because we're going to do, you know, obviously some great podcasts week by week for the opponents. But it being week one, let's talk about the schedule. I mean, it's tough. It's, I mean, yeah. you're looking at 
uh, a pretty realistic chance at going one and three to start all before conference play, Oof. and that just sets you up poorly. Uh, what do you guys think, Eric? What do you think about you know scheduling that? Obviously, this happens years in advance. It's not like they threw this together in this off season. But do you appreciate the moxie of trying to play the best, or are you looking for a little more balance, or would you want to go uh, the classic Virginia Tech route and just fill it up with cupcakes? I know they're playing Ohio State this past year, but you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, with with the way the program is right now, I think back to to to, to the status that Duke had when when Cutcliffe took over, mm-hmm. and 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 they start off playing these FCS and just really lower level teams. And before we knew it, they were playing for the ACC championship mm-hmm. and, and, and they've, and now they're starting to actually play, play better teams. Now that they have the capability and the program needed to actually win. So, so, it, so it makes me wonder, okay, you know, okay. Granted a lot, some of these games were selected three, four years ago, but does the, if the administration really, really my question is, does the administration Craig Littlepage, John Oliver, do they really think that London and this staff and this team can get to eight to nine wins against UCLA and, and Boise State? And granted, we didn't really have too much of a choice over Notre Dame, but mm-hmm. still. Absolutely. I think, you know, after that uh, Peach Bowl year, certainly expectations went up and and you look to increase the schedule the following year adding you know uh, adding the Oregons, adding, adding these uh, Pac-12 games with UCLA included, but Maybe it's a classic case of uh, overconfidence with just a year of, uh, of evidence that we were at a level of, of competing at an 8, 9, 10 win season. Um, you know, for a program that didn't have a lot of success in the previous years before that Peach Bowl year, which, let's face it, I mean, it was a great season. It was a fun season winning down in Tallahassee, et cetera. But it wasn't like the end-all, be-all. We didn't even win the Coastal that year. So it's not like you could look at it and go, this is a championship-level team. You know, <laughs> Obviously, right. you look at it and go, we're going to take the next step. We're going to challenge for that Coastal here on out. But, uh, you know, uh, it's it, it seems to me like a classic case of maybe a little too much hubris in the <laughs> scheduling. And it's coming back to bite us recently because we've had some down years and we've missed some bowl games. Uh, you know, last year, miss it by just a game where you take one of those tougher outer conference game and, and throw in a directional Michigan. And hopefully, <laughs> yeah, I know I know we've lost to a directional <laughs> Michigan before, but yeah. you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. Um, and I think your point is spot on with Duke. However, I don't think we saw ourselves at the low level of what was uh, not that recently Duke football, mm-hmm. which which was extremely uncompetitive. But again, you uh, you you know you make a bowl game, you get that more you know that more time for the practices before the bowl game. It helps with recruiting, which brings in better talent. You know, it's a circle uh, for sure. Caroline, what do you think can be done? You know, looking at, I mean, nothing can be done with the schedule this year, but yeah. what are we going to do? What, you know, if, if we go five and seven, that's almost the realistic best case scenario looking at the schedule right now. Uh, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's really interesting because I, I see both sides. I mean, ki- kids, as much as they also want to play at bowl games, but they want to play big games too. You know, so mm-hmm. you get kids that, um, I, I think we can all agree that Coach London has been a phenomenal recruit that you're still pulling in four or five stars after having some of the seasons that we've had. But Mm -hmm. if you look at last year, even with that crazy schedule, 
they were in every game but one. So, I mean, I know that also leads to discussions about other frustrations with too many men on the mm-hmm. field and clock mismanagement. But they were in every game, and that was a tough schedule. Like, other than Georgia Tech, who's, you know, that dang triple option, like, deck nabbit. Um, but you got all the other games, UNC and – they're in the mm-hmm. Duke game, then another shootout with Duke. I don't know how that keeps happening. Like, but so it's kind of, I don't know. That's a really good question um, because you don't want to totally wuss out and just go with you know the meager mm-hmm. teams that you know are easy cupcake wins. Um, you'd like to have one or two in there, but but like Eric said, I think the Notre Dame falling in our lap was a huge like oh. Like it'll be fun. Like I'm looking forward to the game. It'll be exciting. Um, that might be, and we can talk about this next week, but they've got an interesting schedule around us. Um, for sure. So, you know, I think playing Texas and then Georgia tech after, so Texas before. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of like, Oh, Hey, we'll just hide here in the middle and just kind of hang out. But I I mean, it's with the non-conference, like we have to start doing better in the ACC before I can really start saying like, the reason is Mm -hmm. the Mm non-conference, because if we Mm -hmm. can't win any games in conference, then it doesn't really matter because I think that's an awesome point. Yeah. You can't go four out in the non-con and then get swept in the ACC and then be like, our non-con's too hard. So it doesn't matter. The one thing I would say in response is that, I mean, that non-conference still can be the key to making that bowl game. Absolutely. So, I mean, obviously that's still a line we're looking for, but you're right. In the end, of, uh, you know, the end of things, it really doesn't matter if you beat a bunch of cupcakes and do poorly in the conference because you're not going to make it to the championship game. Mm-hmm. You might make it to some military level <laughs> bowl game. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. DC. Easy champ. What? <laughs> okay, yeah. Isn't Back that the, the lowest ACC? It's the lowest <laughs> ACC ball tie. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's certainly not a good one. At least it sounds um, cooler than like Continental Tire Bowl or like some hey, chip bowl or something, right? Why, so. why would you name the one bowl game UVA dominated the entire history of that bowl game <laughs> as the worst? Oh, I, I hear you on some terrible bowl game names. Is it the, like Mike Trump PC, yeah. <laughs> Gaylord Hotel Bowl? Hey, oh, we won, won that one. one Brady's, whatever that yeah, one was. Yeah, Brady's. That's my favorite one. That's my favorite. I believe one. we won the only continental tire bowls that ever happened because i believe there are only i think that's right like... okay but you know what i mean you gotta knock the yeah, military fears, whatever yeah you know? <laughs> hey oh come on i support the troops don't worry <laughs> but um just not their terrible bowl games okay all right I, i'd be i'd be so happy if we made that terrible bowl game i know me too <laughs> the i take thing. the beef brady's bowl <laughs> well hopefully we'll get to talk about our preview for one of those uh later on in the year but I think the Notre Dame game, um, a lot of a lot of UVA fans' thoughts going into it are obviously going to depend on how we show up against this ECLA team um, Saturday. I think, you know, if we look good, even if we lose, people are going to be pretty optimistic with a home opener against Notre Dame, a team well-known for choking. And as you say, a team bookended by very strong opponents around uh, who, the, you know, they're looking at UVA as a basement uh, conference, uh, well, not exactly the conference, but you know what I mean. Uh, so I think, yeah, it's got a trap game ripping, written into it, assuming we look like a decent football team this weekend, which is, uh, you know, I'm hopeful for. Uh, why don't we go ahead and, and cut to the chase with some predictions for um, this weekend? I, I think what I want from you, I want your biggest question about the team or, or the matchup going into the game. I want the UVA player you're looking to make the game-changing play. So, like, best-case scenario, the game changes because of, of this one's player's spectacular play. 
and of course a final score prediction so if you guys if you guys sound like those they think those are good questions uh eric what do you think what's your biggest question going to into this game eric yeah um my biggest question is probably just the uh, the the compete level and, and the and the amount of mistakes that are made, whether it be twelve men on the field or needless <laughs> you know personal fouls or or anything of that nature, um, and, and and that's one of those things that I think it'll be a really good indicator of of the kind of, for lack of a better word, control uh, that London has over the team right now and and how, how much faith the players have in him. Um, as far as a, a, a game changing uh, player. I could see Blanding uh, in the second half come up with a really big interception or two, maybe sure. a pick six if we want to get crazy with our <laughs> predictions there with that. I like it. Be bold. Maybe. But I think at the end of the day, this is, again, we, we talked about this, a good UCLA team, a really good defense, and I'm going to go 24 to 13 UCLA. All right. Yeah. All right. I like it. Well, well, you know, I want us to win, but. Right. Good stuff there. <laughs> let's, uh, Caroline. Let's hear yours. All right, I'm gonna go lines, offensive mm-hmm. line, defensive line for UVA are, my, are gonna be my questions. Uh, defensive line for stuff we talked about earlier, just some replacing some key things. I say offensive line because we, last year the question was, you know, are they too inexperienced? Yada yada yada. Now we've got some experienced guys, and if they can start opening up the run game, that'll open up a lot for my boy Matt Johns. And uh, that leads into my player who's going to make the game-changing play, which is going to be Kanan Severin, who's going to score the game-winning touchdown, putting Virginia <laughs> up 17-14 to win Gold. the game. Gold. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty low scoring um, just from, I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? What am I All talking right. about? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's cool. I guess I'll, I'll answer my own questions here. Um, one thing we didn't really jump on, I think that there is a big question going in, is replacing the linebackers for the defense. You know, how is, uh, you know, a general picture of how is the UVA defense going to fare uh, against, uh, hopefully, uh, an advantage in having a true freshman starting, but a talented UCLA team. It's going to be amped. It's their home opener. And this UVA team had a great defense last year, but they're replacing a lot. We already talked about the line, but the linebacking core, uh, is also replacing a lot. You're looking at relying on Micah Kaiser. You're looking at relying on uh, freshman and CJ Stalker. So how's the linebacking core going to shut down uh, this fantastic running game that UCLA has and obviously help put pressure on the freshman? Uh, in terms of a player that I'm looking to make a game-changing play, I'm going real bold here. I'm not saying Matt Johns. That's too easy. I'm going real bold. I'm going to take Juan Mizell. Nice. Speaking of recruits Very good. that we want to see show us something. Yep. I know he's shown some flashes of some great play in his first couple of years. I'm not going to say he's been bad or anything like that, but we certainly haven't seen what we've expected from him. And, you know, there's no one ahead of him on the depth chart. I know they've got a lot of running backs there who are going to play with him, but he can really seize the reins as the number one guy with a big play here. He's got that type of home run ability in terms of his speed, his breakaway speed. So let's see it. Let's do it. Let's shock the world. Uh, final score prediction. Am I really gonna go on the internet and say I'm predicting you get it? Win? No, I Do can't. It. No, Do I can't it. rap. Ah, it. Leave me like all alone. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You get to be keyboard cat optimistic. <laughs> I'm gonna say we show up well, though. I think. I think UCLA is going to score some points in more uh, more realistic, normal ways than they did last year. <laughs> and I'll go. I'll go twenty eight. 
17. We'll call it the uh, who's will cover um, for sure. And I think that would be enough to make UVA fans feel optimistic, um, but certainly starting the road or the season with a loss on the road. Um, but uh, we'll see. It's 3.30. Tune into Fox. Uh, you know, we'll all be watching. We'll be chatting on the blog. Uh, unless you guys have anything to add, I'll go ahead and sign off for us and say uh, tune in next week to another edition of Homer the Back. To Homer and Back, let me enunciate. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk uh, the next games. We'll, we'll certainly review what happened down in L.A. And until then, uh, I'm Pierce. And for Caroline and Eric, I'll, I'll leave you with Go Hoos. Go Hoos. Wherever you go, however you go, for energy on the go, it's got to be 5-Hour Energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5-HourEnergy.com. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.